Hey, hey, Sales Lift Nation, it's your host, Tyler Lindley. Today, I have my good buddy, Chris Moore, on the podcast. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Doing well. How about you? Doing well. Hook him horned. He's got the longhorns in the background, HubSpot. He's always <laughs> branded here. Chris is a strategic channel account manager at HubSpot. Great friend out of Nashville, Tennessee. And today, we are going to be jamming on the evolution of sales and what Chris has seen throughout his career in the last decade or so. Chris, I know we were chatting before, sales has changed a lot. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. What have you seen change, Chris, since you started selling, now been at HubSpot for a while? How has sales evolved in your career? Man, so much. I got into sales 17 years ago, 18 years ago. And so we were knocking doors back in the day. (laughs) I built a business with a buddy of mine here in Nashville, Nicholas Holland. Back then, it was just so different. People actually met face to face. I know it's shocking. (laughs) They didn't have masks on. We walked into the room and actually talked to people. And I'm just kidding. It's crazy how we were talking about this earlier. Back in the day, the process was so different just because if you go into a room and you start to have a conversation with someone face to face, the dynamic is just so much different. It's easier to build trust. They see your face. So many times I get on calls and they don't even have their Zoom on. (laughs) The landscape has changed so much. I miss the face-to-face sales, but the thing is we have to adapt. We've got to iterate. Times are changing. I see people closing deals through email now and never talking to anybody. That's crazy to think about. We've gone from completely in person, like you said, knocking on doors. You used to be able to build trust, which I do agree with you. There's something about being in the same room with somebody and building trust that go hand in hand. How do you build trust this day and age? There's always a device in between us, and sometimes there's not even video. Hell, sometimes there's not even a conversation. Like you said, sometimes it's just over email. How do you build trust in a setting when you're barely communicating with somebody? I know this is going to sound corny and cheesy, but showing up on time, Mm. doing what you say, Mm -hmm. coming prepared to the meeting, having an agenda. I mentor some folks from time to time, and I listen to calls, and sometimes they're late. Sometimes they're not prepared. And when you start the call that way, the trust is already broken. They're already like, okay, they're not taking this serious. This guy doesn't have a plan. This girl doesn't have a plan. So I think sometimes we have to focus on the basic stuff first. And then we can start to talk about, I hate talking about the weather personally. (laughs) I sometimes get dialed into that sometimes because people start with that. But I like to have some sort of icebreaker personally for me. And even before that, I actually want to be on the phone or on a Zoom, Mm -hmm. but preferably on a Zoom where I can see somebody. Obviously, I'd love to be in person, but I I realize the times are different. The Zoom is the next best thing. So if we're on Zoom, I want to start the call off with some sort of icebreaker. Not the weather. It can be that, and that's okay if you do that. Mm -hmm. Switch it up a little bit. If you're a techie and a new Apple laptop has come out, be like, man, have you seen the new laptop? Or if you're into trading and you want to talk about Bitcoin or something that throws it off because everybody's always like, yeah, so what's the weather like up there. And it's just, I don't know. I want to break the mold, but I think building trust, having some sort of icebreaker, showing up on time, making sure that you've set the agenda, making sure that you are ready to have a meaningful discussion, but you don't just dive straight into it. I think sometimes I see so many people just go straight into it without building that rapport. And then it Mm -hmm. becomes really hard in the sales process to build that trust if you haven't spent any time on rapport. So that's what I try to do. I totally agree. I like the idea of an icebreaker too, because it's a pattern interrupt. They're expecting you to bring up the weather or they're expecting you to dive right in or they're expecting you to be late. So if you show up on time and then you pattern interrupt, them with something interesting or unique or a cool question. When I'm training reps, I try to do a fun fact. Everybody bring a fun fact when you're meeting new reps or ask them some 
cheesy question around Halloween. It was, what was your favorite horror movie? So now it's a little bit lighter. We're talking about horror movies. We're talking about something that's not just this because we've lost that water cooler effect. It impacts human beings, not only internally, but external to your organization as well. Like I think everybody is searching for those little pockets of normalcy. And with COVID, it's gotten even way more out of whack. People just don't talk as much. We talk to our spouses, our close friends, but we don't have that communication with just people that we just meet randomly. And if you're in sales, you probably really like that. Probably really want that. I know I yeah. do. That's what makes me and you live. We love that kind of stuff. And I think prospects want it too. So I think you've got to treat them like you're human. And I think that they'll respond positively. I joke around a lot with my wife about our son because he's pretty talkative, but it's funny. We just went on vacation and obviously I'm not trying to sell my son anything. You know, he's 13, but maybe I will. Who knows? But he's sitting in the room with his friends and they could be talking about their favorite thing that happened at school yeah. or what sport they were excited about. And they're all just looking at their phone. Yeah heads down, not saying a word to each other. Unfortunately, I think I see that more and more at younger ages. And then what happens is those folks are growing up and then they're getting into the workplace and they're so used to not interacting. And so what I hope that doesn't happen is I hope that we don't have a generation that's not talking and I want to encourage them. So we always encourage Tyler. We actually do icebreakers with our son. Oh. When he gets home, we're like, tell us about your day or can you believe this one thing that happened? And we want to get him talking. And I think that works the same in sales. So. It's so important. And it's interesting as we think about, we're obviously talking about the evolution of sales, but if we think about the future of selling, is there going to be a point at which, like you said, closing deals over email, hell, closing deals over text or TikTok or whatever, will there even be any type of deeper kind of human connection eventually, or will everything be this asynchronous, a touch, a human type of a sales process? Are we heading there? Or do you think there will always be a human element in sales? That's a good question. It's funny. I just talked to someone about this. I'm not even kidding on Wednesday. And so it's fresh on my mind. I couldn't have teed you up any better for this. So what's funny is I think vertically speaking, I think some verticals that could be the case. I think that there are just some old school type verticals that I don't think will ever move away from the handshake, the face-to-face. Obviously, if you're in the financial space, if you're in the healthcare space, you can't just do everything over text and email and stuff like that. And I work with partners that are really big on making sure that they go and meet with people face-to-face still, even in, in these times. They believe that to do the bigger deals, to do the more complex deals, they need to be in front of them doing a whiteboard session. They need to be showing them that they're committed. And I don't see us getting to a point where it's all digital on some of these larger deals and some of these verticals. But I do think with some certain verticals, certainly in some of the SaaS space type products, and you don't necessarily have to be on the phone. I'm working with a company. I'll give them a quick plug because they're a great company, but traderspost.io is the URL. Great team over there helping them grow. They're actually a HubSpot client as well and a personal friend of mine, but they basically have a model where they don't really have to talk to anybody. They're going to have some customer service people, Mm -hmm. but they don't really have a need for sales folks. And if they do, it's going to be limited. It's going to be the occasional demo here and there, but probably what they're going to do is they're going to record demos, send those out to people. Send it out. So will there be any human driven communication before email, chat, text, anything, or is it just all a touch asynchronous and they'll just self-purchase? Is that what their prospects do? It's a good question. They're trying to figure this out right now. What is the right amount? But they've been pretty successful in growing the business up until this point. I think he's at 10K MRR Mm -hmm. a month with this business after just a few months with no salespeople, no support people. It's just him responding through chats and stuff like that because the product pretty much can sell itself with videos that are done online. Now, I do think that 
as he starts to scale and grow and talks to larger financial organizations, Mm -hmm. they're going to expect someone to be on the phone and do the dog and pony show. That's going to have to happen at some point. But that's why I say vertically, it just depends on where you're at. I think times are changing for sure, which is scary for me. Why is it scary? It is. I hate it. Why is it scary though? For me, it's scary because even though I would consider myself young, I'm 42 and I personally hate that we've gotten to a place where we're not building relationships quite as much anymore. And doing that relationship sales, it feels to me very disconnected. Not always, I'm not saying always and forever, but it definitely has felt more disconnected and transactional. And I'd get into deep thought on it. We could spend two hours talking about this, but I I worry a little bit that we're getting away from true sales and it's more order taking. I just care a lot about relationships. Exactly. Like you said, you've been selling for 17 years or so, 15 years. What's it going to look like in another 10, 15 years? Think about when our kids start entering the workforce and unless we're equipping them and enabling them with those skills, which I think are so important. I've got a couple of kids and they might end up at school that's more science and technology focused versus another school that's more arts and drama focused. And we've been trying to decide which school might be the right fit for them. And it's hard to say because both are important, both science and technology, obviously important. That's going to be a part of our lives forever. But also that arts, that human touch, he's going to do a drama production and have the (laughs) ability to do a play where he memorizes lines and he's out in front of people and he probably has to improvise when something goes wrong. Is that skill going to still be needed? Because I think that skill is really important and one that we both have. Will that be the skill of the future in sales or will it need to be that technology or will there even be a future in sales for our Yeah. It's hard to think about, obviously. We don't want a doomsday, like the world's ending. But to me, there's still going to be humans out there, even if there's a lot of this A-touch, asynchronous, there's still people out there behind that. So it, it worries me too. And I would say it's a kind of like tack onto that. And I think not to get too parenting advice here or whatever, but I think it does. It starts with us as parents to make sure that we're still showing our kids that communication is important. If we're at the dinner table, put the phone down for a second. Let's interact a little bit. Let's talk about the day. Like I said, we had to lead by example, but I think we do the same thing in sales with our prospects. You go back to showing up on time, having a good icebreaker, setting the agenda, even if it doesn't have that same level of trust and human feel as an in-person conversation, we want to try to replicate that as much as possible. But we as sales reps have to lead that, lead that discussion. And sometimes I know it's like pulling teeth to get our prospects to come on, buy in on this. But if you do, usually get a laugh out of them. Usually you create a little bit of something. So I'm not just going into some stock standard demo and I don't know anything about this person. There's a million sales books out there that will say people buy from people they like. And I think we all get that now. If you're in sales, you understand that. If you really think about that saying, they buy from people they like, how can you get them to like you and through email and text? You could write really witty emails, I guess. You could put some (laughs) jokes in an email and you could hyperlink. And and funny enough, I do that actually. You want to put the gifts in there that are funny. You want to follow up. You want to sometimes break it up and not make it so stuffy. And and I I definitely do that. I write emails the way I communicate, exclamation points and woot woot and all of that. You can't do all of that through email. Anybody that I'm mentoring, I try to break them of just using email or just using phone calls and force them to get on Zoom and force them to turn on their camera. Please, if you're in sales, please turn on your camera. It makes such a big impact. Turn it on first. And then I always call to attention too. If I've got my camera on, here's one thing I hate. You got your camera on and then you get into a meeting and no one else turns theirs on and you don't say anything. You just do the whole meeting where you're staring at yourself and they're staring. You're just watching their nothing, the black screen there, do nothing. 
It's like, call attention to it. Say, hey, what's up, Chris? I typically do these with video on. I find that it makes for a much better conversation. Do you mind turning your video on today? Is that possible? You don't have to force them yeah. to it, but at least have that discussion a minute or two in so that then we can try to have a better conversation versus just saying, oh, I guess they don't do video. I'll do the best I can. It's on us to lead. Lead as parents, lead as sales reps, lead the conversations. Right. We have to dictate the tone and the type of conversation we're going to have and we can't just sit around and expect other people to fall in line. Sometimes we got to say, come on, get up, let's go. That's right. No, I love that. You taught me something today. Sometimes I don't press people as much to turn their video on. I'll make a little side joke like, yeah. oh, it's okay if you don't want to turn your video on, no pressure. But and I should say, hey, why don't you turn your video on? Let's yeah. have a dialogue together. So now I like that. That's a great tip. Say that's the preference. You don't have to say it's required. Obviously, it's not required, but it's the preference because I typically have yeah. way better conversations. And honestly, it's just going to make for a better discussion. But it's still hard to have that conversation sometimes, even though we know we should be doing it. It's hard. So one thing that we brought up earlier that I want to double click on is we talked about this idea of some verticals or at some certain stages of growth, things can probably be no touch, just where people are buying on their own. However, as deals get more complex, as the contract values go up, more likely humans need to be involved at that point. How do companies know when they should be no touch versus when they should get or have sales reps leading that process? Is there certain things they should be looking out for? Is it just the value of their product? What makes sense to add reps to a certain sales process as you're going up market? My first answer is when in doubt, have a sales rep. <laughs> but obviously I don't want this trade to die. But what I would say is for sure, when there's a considered purchase, mm -hmm. where there's a consultative type approach that needs to be taken in the process. Again, when I think about HubSpot as an example, obviously I work for HubSpot all over the wall here. <laughs> what they really taught me four years ago when I came on board is this idea around educating people. And you can educate people online with that considered purchase and give them the materials that they need, but there will come a point once they've done their own research, that they're going to need to get on the phone with someone to take it to the next stage, to really understand the product, to really understand the impact, the ROI, the TCO, however you want to look at it. You have to insert someone at some point if it's that kind of purchase, if it's considered, if it's consultative. Otherwise, I see some companies try to automate the whole thing and be low touch and it's just the results just aren't there. They're not the same anyways. Yeah. And I think one thing I'll just add to that is I think a lot of the reason why HubSpot, I, mean, I hate to just keep talking about HubSpot, but I'm pretty diehard. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I think that has helped us grow as fast as we have is we have that inbound machine going where it's constantly giving people the information they need. But then also we have this really great team of sales folks that are dedicated, that want to get on the phone, that want to turn their videos on, that want to set agendas, that want to be on time. I do think that if it's considered purchase, you need a sales force. Totally agree. One of my favorite things from HubSpot, which is by the way, where Chris and I met, is when HubSpot came out with the tagline on the rallying cry was, it's not what you sell, it's how you sell. That's right. And the how, when you think of, well, what does that mean exactly? The how just means it's that human element. It's all those little things that you just talked about. The basics, like showing up and showing up on time, having a good agenda, but it's being helpful and human. It's just an extension of that inbound. Because if you think about inbound, that's like helpful and human content that's helping people move throughout a process of their decision-making process. 
the human should just naturally insert themselves at a certain step in that process. Maybe it's at the beginning, maybe it's in the middle, maybe it's towards the end. Depends. Whenever they insert themselves, that should just be a continuation of that how you sell, of that great experience that's driving someone to make an easy decision. Now, whether they end up buying from you or not, who knows, but give yourself the best chance possible. It's funny hearing you say that. I couldn't help but think of one of my favorite companies in this world. I have three favorite companies. USAA is one of them. They're amazing. I love them. I'm ride or die for them because they're always there for me. And Dell. Dell is a favorite company of mine. I used to work there okay. and I know what they're all about and their mission, but Apple, and I know it's funny. You're like Dell's windows and Apple is <laughs> a different ecosystem. Yeah, you can't say both those, can you? <laughs> I know, right? Well, it's funny. I have both of them in my house, but what I love about Apple is the fact that I could go online and I could do my own research and I could find out all the speeds and feeds and I could read reviews and all that. There's something to be said when I go into the Apple store mm-hmm. and there's someone that is ready to talk to me, to consult with me, to show me things, to talk about how this can change my life or being overly dramatic. But (laughs) that's how I think about it. It's like, these products are amazing. And I can look at them online, but I go into the store and they're now consultants and they help me think through best ways to use the product and their customer service is great and all that. And I know that's a B2C, B2B is a little bit different, but they really treat it like B2B almost in the consultative way that, that they take. I was thinking about Apple and how I love their mission. I love their products. I love the way that they treat their customers. And I think at HubSpot, we seem to resonate with them as well, just because they do a really good job with sales. Really good job. I totally agree. And it's interesting, Apple and HubSpot, the things we were just talking about with inbound and being helpful, you can technically learn all you need, like you said, from Apple on their website or in any of their marketing. You can get all the information you need to make a purchase decision. They make that easy. However, if you want a more considered approach. And if you want that consultative approach where you want to go talk to somebody and you want to touch and you want to feel it, it's more of the how you sell. You can go into that store and and have that experience. So they almost have a hybrid model. I know it is B2C, but maybe that is the future of B2B too, where it's a hybrid approach. Some Mm. people may want that no touch. I'm going to make my decision based on the facts. Just give me all the information and then go that way. Whereas others at some point in the process want to have that human element and have that consultative conversation so that they can be guided in a certain direction based on their situation. So maybe the answer is not either or it's both. Maybe a hybrid model works and you let customers pick and choose. I don't know if that works for everybody as you go up market, but it certainly might be an option. Seems the one Apple's pulling it off well. So maybe HubSpot, maybe companies like HubSpot can pull that off well too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you nailed it as is basically giving people different paths. I can't remember how it's said, but basically selling to people the way that they want to be sold to. I can't remember the exact phrase, but basically every time I walk into Apple, I know I'm going to buy something because I've already done my research. And then I go in there and I leave with three other things <laughs> that I didn't plan right. to get because of that consultative approach. So yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And maybe it's just, you figure out what point in the process you have to talk to somebody because you may not want people self-purchasing $5,000 a month software packages where you want them to really stick around. You may want them talking to somebody at least at the end of the process to make sure this is going to jive with everything else you're doing in your business and with all your other systems that you've got. So you, maybe you have to insert somebody at some point in the process, but it could be very late. It could be at the checkout counter because some people, like you said, want to have that conversation late. Others want to have it earlier. So maybe you just give people the option. Absolutely. Any other advice or any other thoughts, Chris, on this evolution of sales before we hop? I was thinking about this before we got on. I'm hoping that some young sales makers, maybe some folks that are like just getting into sales have a chance to listen to this. I'm specifically talking to you all right now when I say <laughs> this. Sales 
can be so fulfilling. It's high stress, high reward. We need really great sales makers out there. And something I would just implore for you to do is reach out to people that are doing well. Reach out to friends and family that you might know that are in sales. Reach out to me. I'll make sure that when we're done here, you have a way to connect with me. But really get advice from people on how they are successful in their specific industry and draft off of that. What I did when I came to work at HubSpot is I went and found the top 10 folks and I went and I studied what they did. I asked them questions. I listened to their calls, but I don't sound like any of those 10 people. You have to have your own thing, but the things that do translate well are the things that we've talked about. Just be on time, know your product, be friendly, make sure that when people are talking, don't interrupt them. I think some of these standard things that you would think would be table stakes. Sometimes I hear calls and those things aren't table stakes. Just try to bring it back to basics and really lean on folks to understand what are the right ways forward and all that. But anyways, I'm rambling now. I just want you to know you can come to me anytime. I'm happy to help you. I love this stuff. I live and breathe it. I feel like that audience somewhat might be our kids too. We're talking to our kids. I hope y'all listen to this in five and 10 years and want to follow in our footsteps and don't think we're idiots. All right. Awesome, Chris. If my listeners want to find out more about you online, how can they do so? Go to my LinkedIn. I am a fanatic on LinkedIn. We'll make sure to get the information to you. But funny enough, if you just go search Chris Moore HubSpot, you can pull me up. I'm in there 50 times a day. So reach out to me. I'll give you my cell phone. I will get on the phone with you. I love talking about this stuff. I love sales and I encourage you to reach out to me anytime. Awesome. Love it. We'll put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. And if you're a HubSpot partner thinking about becoming one, request Chris Moore to be your (laughs) strategic channel account manager because he is a rock star. Awesome. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it, man. Yes. Thank you. Y'all take care. Be good. See you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the T-H-E sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas plus action equals results. You've got new ideas. Now it's time to take action and the results will follow. See you next time.